Well, my friends, we were close. Um, Christmas is at hand after a a long season of Advent, uh, a time of anticipating and, and, and waiting for this day in which we celebrate and remember the birth of Jesus. But we also have lots of other things going on. The the, the plans are made with family and friends. Um, Maybe the Christmas cards got sent out on time. Um, We're still working on some of those. Or or maybe you've decided, I know the other thing people do is to uh, turn them into New Year's cards. Um, And uh, maybe those have gone on time. The meals for, for Christmas dinner is made. Favorite movies will be watched. Gifts will be exchanged. It's today, December 24th, the, the day before Christmas. And on top of that is this time that we celebrate this, this great thing beyond the festivities and on top of all that, this day that we celebrate this great exchange that happens at Christmas between God and humanity, this great and wonderful exchange. It begins on Christmas when, when God himself, Jesus Christ, becomes incarnate, takes on flesh, becomes human, comes to us in the form of a human, wrapped in flesh and blood. He puts that on in his birth. And beyond skin and bone, Jesus takes on more in all of what it means for us to be human. Paul tells in Philippians that Jesus empties himself and becomes becomes a servant, becomes one who is like us, becomes like us in every way, yet is without sin. He becomes subject to the weakness, the brokenness, the the violence, uh, a world that is full of sin, death, Jesus enters into that and becomes one subject to it. From the moment that he's born, he's needed to be swaddled, protected, nurtured from the coldness and the darkness of the world. He is just as vulnerable and weak as any other child. This is the exchange that God makes with humanity. It's this wonderful and great exchange, but it doesn't end there. We just read and heard from Isaiah the prophet, God's mouthpiece in the Old Testament, centuries before Jesus enters the scene in Bethlehem. Isaiah foretells of this chosen servant of God who is, who is anointed to, to deliver good news, to, to heal the brokenhearted, to, to set captives and prisoners free And all of this is part of this announcement of this year of the Lord's favor. All of this is this incredibly good news for the world, this message that we continue to hear. But notice uh, notice that also what was read in this exchange that is taking place in the Isaiah passage. Good news, healing, and freedom. It's a reversal of fortunes for the humble, the brokenhearted, and the captive. And there's more, if you notice, an exchange in how one is clothed and adorned. It says here in the text, crowns instead of ashes. 
the oil of joy instead of tears of grief, and clothes of praise instead of a spirit of weakness. This is what Isaiah means by the year of the Lord's favor. And this is important because Jesus, the one who comes to us as a human, as a child, will take these words as his own later on when he begins his ministry. We see this when he's preaching in his hometown of Nazareth. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus reads from Isaiah 61, and he finishes by saying, this passage came true today when you heard me read it. Jesus letting everyone know, pointing back to the the promises of Isaiah, that he is the one to fulfill and to keep this promise that God has made. And Jesus proclaims this this good news, this, this year of the Lord's favor has come. And along comes with it, as we heard in Isaiah, this new garments garments of salvation, the the robes of righteousness. Here's what that means. That that for those of us, that Jesus comes onto the scene, announces your favor, and, and is beginning his ministry and what he's going to do and to accomplish, to be robed in the righteousness of God means this, that, that all those who belong to Jesus, that, that believe in, in what he has come to do, those bound to him by faith, they're covered, covered in the righteousness of God, wrapped and clothed in, in a goodness that, that we or all could not earn on their own, but freely and willingly And out of mercy and love, God clothes and robes us in righteousness and salvation. And in place of, as we're using the language of Isaiah, in place of the ashes, the the mourning, the sin, the shame, and the dishonor, in place of all those things that, that we bring on, the things that we wear... Jesus gives to those who belong to him all his his glory, his goodness, his righteousness, his beauty. We witness this in the, the baptism of, of Jack and Luke. For in baptism, we are clothed with Christ, that we take on and are clothed with the pure, sinless robe of Christ's righteousness that, that covers all of our sin. That, that robe of righteousness is given to you, Jack, given to you, Luke. And there's even ways that we symbolically uh, represent that when we saw that with Jack, clothed in all white, this, this symbol of the purity that we now have before God, being clothed and wrapped in his righteousness, covered from head to toe. That God no longer, and what that plays out is that God no longer sees our sin, our brokenness, no longer sees um, our, our failures, our mistakes, our, our, our shortcomings, all the ways in which we have failed to, to love and to follow Him and, and failed to love the people around us that God has called us to love. But having been clothed, to be covered in the righteousness of God, God no longer sees those things, but sees the things that we now take on, the righteousness, the goodness, spotless and pure. That's the image, the, the picture that we see in this, these garments 
of salvation. This exchange that is made. That in God coming here, giving up and setting aside his divinity, his almighty power and divinity takes on human flesh so that we might be clothed in the the righteousness of God. But there's one more thing that I think that we can learn from this passage in Isaiah that that can help us understand. I think it helps us uh, tie up the whole series that we've been looking up in in one small way. See, Isaiah 61, and really much of Isaiah, is is rich with imagery, rich with some beautiful imagery. In addition to the the imagery of clothing, there's um, some beautiful uh, wedding and marriage imagery. But also in Isaiah 61, in verse 11, There's the use of the imagery of a garden to illustrate how God has been active in in sowing and planting and spreading his righteousness. Hear this in verse 11. After talking about being clothed in the righteousness of God, having been dressed in these things, mentions the bridegroom and the clothes that are on there, but hear what he then continues and, and changes to this image of a garden. Like the ground that brings forth its crops, and like a garden that makes the seed in it grow, so the Almighty Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up in front of all nations. I can't help with this imagery of the garden for us to, to look back all the way, where we looked at the very beginning of this series uh, on our, our first week, three weeks ago. The imagery of taking us all the way back to the garden, the Garden of Eden, when, when Adam and Eve made their own attempt, and, and a rather poor one, to cover, to conceal, and to hide their own uh, rebellion, their own sin and shame, and, and to do it with, with fig leaves that they sewed together. But God exchanges these, these ugly garments for, for animal skins, and he, and he took care of them at that moment But as as we looked at a few weeks ago, a bigger plan is revealed by God. And what we see throughout the Scriptures being woven through, not just the stories we looked at, but all throughout the Scriptures, that, that God has been at work sowing and planting His righteousness so that it might spread making these exchanges, if you will. And we've seen and looked at some of these through the the motif, the theme of clothing throughout the Scriptures. There's Adam and Eve in the garden. Joseph in the Old Testament in Genesis receives a a special coat, and yet also later on his brothers, he clothes them, gives them a new set of clothing and a display of, of mercy and forgiveness and reconciliation with them. Or last week, the the people of Nineveh in the story of Jonah, that that wicked city Nineveh, have covered themselves in sackcloth and ashes, and yet God relents and shows them mercy. He does not destroy them. All these, these exchanges are ways in which God has been sowing and planting His righteousness, and it points to something greater, and Isaiah's keying us in on it that God has been hinting and promising and pointing to this even far greater exchange. Isaiah 61 connects the ugly events of Eden to the, to the other ways in which we see a garden, the bitter sufferings of Jesus in another garden, the, the garden of Gethsemane. There Jesus, he prays and he agonizes over, over the, the cost that he is about to pay. 
but he does so so that we might receive these robes of righteousness. And there in the garden, he would be arrested. In a garden, he would be buried. And in a garden, he would be seen in his resurrected body to give us salvation, a salvation Isaiah likens to a garment. And Jesus makes this great exchange freely. He does it for you. No, no matter who you are or, or where you have been or, or what you've done in the past, the, the mistakes that you've made, the, the shame and, and, and guilt that you live with, the insecurities and the doubts that you have, know that Jesus makes this exchange for you. Be reminded of that. Receive what he, has, what he gives to you in place of all your past, of all your sin, of all your shame, of all your doubts. Receive the righteousness and the salvation that he offers and, and, and wear it. Receive the clothing that he gives to you. And so this Christmas Eve and, and through the rest of this weekend, whether you plan on spending the, the rest of your day uh, for those in their Christmas pajamas, whether you span, plan on spending the rest of today and tomorrow in your Christmas jammies, or you plan on, on dressing up and you're joining us here or going to, to Grandma and Grandpa's church this evening for a candlelight service, wherever it is and whatever that you are wearing, know and remember that you have been richly and wonderfully adorned in robes of righteousness given freely to you by God. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to stand as we close out our worship service in the words of Jesus that he has taught us, that he gave to his disciples, a, a, a prayer that we can confess together, a prayer that reminds us of how we can approach God and, and the way in which he would have us call before him. We pray together the words Jesus taught, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.